Thank you, Tank and Susan. Uh, they did a tremendous job. And I want to tell you, they did a tremendous job also at the uh, funeral. Tank's mother passed away, and, and they were just awesome. And again today, and I thank you for that. And, um, boy, I tell you what, now if you can have all these specials every week, Lila, <laughs> Lila, you did good. You going to sing again for us sometime? Okay. Good, good. And uh, I tell you what, of course, the choir with uh, Ben and Daniel, y'all did wonderful and Tank leading them. Uh, they just, they all sounded so great. Our choir, I tell you what, they, they got some good voices in them. Amen? They don't have mine, and thank God for that. Amen? Okay. Drew, it is good to see you. Drew, I was excited, a little disappointed earlier, just a little bit. I came back there and found out that he came down from Nashville to go to the game. I thought he came down to worship with us and, and was really excited about that. But No, that, that's part of it. Him and Allison. Do you go by Allison or Allie? Allie, okay. Uh, they, they came down all the way from Nashville, and uh, they wanted to see the game. Then they wanted to see Daniel and Lindsay, and then they wanted to see all of y'all. So they didn't have to come today, and they did, and we're just glad to have them. And uh, we're glad to have uh, each and every one of you here today in visiting. Uh, we have uh, uh, one in the back. We just thank you for being with us and being part of our service. I want y'all to turn to... Matthew, we're going through Matthew. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 20 through 26. Now, we're going to be looking at something that's uh, very tough today. It's the uh, indictment of Jesus uh, upon the Jewish nation. Uh, it's uh, very tough. It's stiff. But he gives us some warnings in this that we need to adhere to today also here in America. Now, we're not the Jewish nation. We're not those. But we have been enlightened with many things. We have churches on every corner, it seems like, especially here in the South. We have bookstores. We have uh, TV uh, evangelists, uh, TV teachers, TV preachers. I mean, everywhere. You turn, you can hear the word. We have been given much. And much is required. And this is what he's talking about to Israel here. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I, I love to see mysteries. I love to, uh, you know, used to love to read these mystery books. Uh, before TV came out, we used to read books, you know, and so... Uh, uh, read these books, but in, in a mystery, you'll see little by little being revealed to bring out the full identity of that person or thing or whatever they're, they're trying to bring out at the end of the book. Well, here we see the unfolding identity of Jesus Christ. And now we're seeing the uh, identity in two particular ways. And so I'd like to read these verses to you. It says, Then he began to reproach, rebuke, the cities in which most of his miracles were done. Why? Because they did not repent. 
Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You shall descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, now we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to the babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, I just want to thank you for these that have come out today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. God, may we honor you as we come together. And we honor you by allowing our hearts and our minds to be focused in on you and your word and allowing the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to speak to us in a very special and unique way. God, I'm just a messenger, just a vessel by which the message is brought. We've heard the word. We've, Lord, going to look at it more intently and and we just ask that the Holy Spirit open up our eyes to the truth. This cannot happen. It doesn't happen by me or any one individual. It happens by you working through us. You working through your word. And so I just pray that there will be a very special anointing today that comes from you. An anointing that can only come from you where our eyes and our ears are open to the truth. To what you have for our lives to gather and to understand. Lord, thank you for this time. And may we make the most of every moment of it by allowing the Spirit to use your word and your message to speak to our hearts. Whatever way you so deem is needed. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the two particular dimensions that are being revealed and has been being revealed here uh, in the last few chapters is the first and foremost is the understanding of his words. They are understanding that Jesus is not just like some scribes and Pharisees, a rabbi, a teacher. We read that back in chapter 8. The crowds earlier had recognized Jesus preaching and teaching as what? One of authority, unique authority. One that wasn't just teaching, even though they may be teaching the Old Testament, even though they may be teaching the Word, it was one that had something unique. One that had authority. The authority from on high. They recognized it as being special. Immediately there is an understanding that his teaching was something new. And Jesus tells him, you've heard it say 
or be said, but I say to you. Now, only God could say that because only God can speak with authority to interpret and also to expand and extend his own words. Only God can do that, not man. Well, the second dimension of what Jesus is doing uh, or has been do- uh, doing is, is revealed by the dimension or through the dimension of miracles. So you have his word and now you have signs and wonders, works of power. The, and one important thing about miracles, and miracles have, have uh, been confused today. You see, m- the miracle is never pointing to itself. It's never pointing to what has been done. It is, or it was and it is always pointing to the person who is performing the miracle. And that was Jesus. And they revealed his identity. They were for a purpose. Only the Messiah, the Son of God, could do these things. I mean, this was mentioned in Isaiah. He was fulfilling the prophet. And so when John's disciples earlier in this uh, chapter... Uh, approached Jesus and asked him if he was the expected one, the Messiah, or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered them by quoting from Isaiah, the prophet, uh, concerning the, uh, the miracle, I mean the, the uh, Messiah. And he said, the blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, most of that deals with miracles. These miracles are pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Messiah. And here we have two dimensions that are pointing to the Messiah. We have them found together for the most part throughout Scripture, and that is a teaching and the performing of miracles. They bring about his identity. They put forth his identity. They show his identity. The miracles affirm his words and the authority of the one who speaks them. Now, in the verses just prior to the ones that we read, Jesus has rebuked the crowds for rejecting not just him, but the forerunner, John the Baptist. It says back in verse 16, but... To what shall I compare this generation? You. What shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to the other children and say, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a drig and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. Then in verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Jesus is telling the crowds, You have acted like children playing games. You don't want to participate with either one. You refuse to. And so John the Baptist, he says, came as that austere prophet crying out in the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what did you do? You refused him. You rejected him. 
And then Jesus came as the one who offered life and offered it more abundantly. And you refused the Messiah. You were too tone deaf to accept the truth. You say that John the Baptist, the forerunner, was too harsh, too strong, too austere. He was possessed by a demon. And then you say that the Messiah... He was too loose. He was coming and he was eating and, and uh, he was uh, with the sinners and tax gatherers. And, and uh, you, you call him a sinner yourself. So you don't understand. You miss the mission of the Messiah and his forerunner. And he says, yet wisdom is vindicated by our deeds, by Jesus deeds by his products the wisdom of his teaching and ministry would be demonstrated to be right eventually they would see it little by little so the first thing that we need to look at is the reasons for the miracle why the miracles why well we've talked a little bit about it he says then he began to reproach the ones in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent jesus is not denouncing some of the uh the cities, uh, or he's now, excuse me, denouncing some of the cities that uh, were where many of his miracles were performed. Jesus had been, been performing many of these miracles around the northern sea of Galilee, and there had been various response. And there, though, in those cities had not been a widespread response of discipleship, fellowship. So, uh, Jesus tells them, then he began to reproach the ones in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. You see, one, one reason Jesus had, has been performing these miracles is to prove who he is, and that is Messiah. But there is another important reason that goes along with the reason why the Messiah came. What does Luke say? He said he came as a savior of the world. And so one reason, yes, is to point to the Messiah. But another reason for performing these miracles is repentance. Repentance. This, he was trying to tell them that you're missing the point. The Messiah did not come to set up a, a national Israel at that time. The Messiah came to set up the kingdom of God in the hearts of those who would believe. The Israel and the setting up of Israel will come later during the millennial. But at this time, he is setting up the kingdom of heaven in the hearts of those who will repent of their sins and believe. You see, before the fall, if you just think about it, before the fall of Eden, there was no need for miracles, were there? No need. Think about it. There was no blindness. There was no sickness. There was no lameness. There was no demon possession. There was no death. Wow. What did the fall bring though? But after the fall, when sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, mankind and the world was cursed. So miracles are a sign of divine intervention. You know, we've heard about miracle workers and all this, and it's all focused on them a lot of times today in our day and time. But what are miracles? Why were miracles performed? Why did Jesus perform these miracles? 
It was divine intervention. Miracles are revealing the Messiah who has come to save their people of their sin. They, they wouldn't need a miracle if sin had not entered into the world. But now they, these are just signs pointing towards that. Without sin, there would be no need for that. Every miracle, in a sense, is a very small reversal of the curse in a sense, I said. And should demonstrate to us the authority of the Savior. He came to set man free. When miracles take place, they should make known to us that we are sinners desperately in need of a Savior. Our response when miracles takes place should be to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and praise Him and honor Him and glorify Him because He's the one who is making the way possible for us to believe and be set free. The miracles should have made known to these Israelites that they were sinners. But it did not happen. So he rebukes them. The reason for rebuke, look in verse 21. He reproaches them. Jesus began to name some of the cities. Whoa! Where many of the miracles occurred, but there was no po- very little positive response, primarily negative response. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now he's getting to the Jewish people here. The ones who had the scripture. The ones who had the news about the coming Messiah. Tyre and Sidon did. They did. And so these were cities located north of Israel. And both were known as pagan cities. This is very important. They were known for their, their pagan lifestyle. Tyre, a Phoenician city, is targeted in the Old Testament as a city to be destroyed because of its pride and Baal worship. In Isaiah 23, in Ezekiel 26 and through 28, and, and Amos uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it talks about this. And Sidon, a fellow Phoenician city, was often associated with Tyre in its judgment. Joel chapter 3 and Zechariah chapter 9. These cities were not known for their, uh, just for their sinfulness. They were also known for their commerce and their booming uh, lifestyle and bringing in people. And, and so Tyre and Sidon would be like the old cowboy movies, in other words, where you go out west and there's very little law and order. There was very little law and order there. And this was alien territory. And he's telling the Jewish audience that if they had performed these, or if he had performed these miracles in those cities, they would have repented. Now, you're talking about getting their attention. I dare you to say that. Don't you know who we are? Don't you know that we are God's coveted people? Special people? Elect people? And he's letting them know your elect comes by coming to faith in the Lord, accepting the Messiah for who he is. And, goes, and it, if they had been hearing what Jesus was telling them, with their Jewish ears, it would have really 
spoken hard to them. I mean, this would have really gotten their attention. I mean, it may have even brought up the story about the one in the Old Testament. You know, you remember with, with Jonah and Nineveh? Uh, Jonah was what? He was offended that Nineveh would repent. He knew what God would do. And he didn't want it because he was so angry at that pagan city. He was offended that God's judgment was held back from the evil city and that evil empire. And so Jonah was quite willing that they all perish. I mean, he even took a dip in the water and allowed fish to swallow them up and take a break from there and try to hide there from even getting the message out. But it didn't work. It shows us that the person, a lot of times, that we least expect to repent, many times uh, is a person that will be the first one to repent. So, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew tells us in chapter 11, verse 21, that if the miracles had been performed for Sodom, I mean for Sodom and Tyre, they would have, uh, you know, repented. But you didn't, Israel. These miracles were performed for you and you didn't repent. So they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes, ashes being a sign of death in the ancient uh, uh, world. And even today, in many religions, it's a sign of humility and repentance. And so he goes on, he says, Nevertheless, I say to you, this is like saying, truly, truly, get your attention, you know. He's getting their attention. Here is the conclusive judgment statement from Jesus. It shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. In most Jewish communities, sins would be less acceptable than in Gentile cities. And here he's saying that it will be more tolerable for them. You see, in those Gentile cities, there, there was no restraining power of a prophet or no restraining power of the law. There was moral anarchy. And Jesus is telling them that it will be more tolerable in those sinful Gentile cities than for you who had the scriptures. What logic does that present? Well, the only logic is that Jesus is the Messiah. Among them performing miracles, yet the Jewish people would not accept him or would not repent. They even had the law and the prophets, yet they did not repent. It will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sodom Sodom in that day of judgment than for you. But then he goes on. He, he does talk about Sodom. He says now he gets even more specific. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You shall descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. This is a place where the law and the prophets were preached in Capernaum, but they rejected it. Very small Jewish community made up of people who believed that they were a part of the covenant of God. This is where Jesus commenced. This is where uh, his home base was. Just outside Capernaum, he had cleansed the leopard. He had, uh, it was the centurion of Capernaum whose uh, servant the Lord had healed. It was a ruler of the uh, Capernaum synagogue whose daughter Jesus had raised from the dead. 
But Jesus said, I mean, all these miracles happening there. Every one of them. Jesus says, and you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You shall descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Jesus contrasted the most privileged city with the most polluted city. You go back to Genesis chapter 19. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Why are they destroyed? Abraham met with the pre-incarnate Christ and he tried to intercede for the city. Lot, his nephew, lived down there. They were performing all kinds of evil acts. They were rejecting God. They were going their own way. And he starts out with 50, he goes to 45, he goes to 40, 30, 20, and then gets down the very last one to 10. He says, if you find 10 righteous, will you spare the city? The vileness of the city, the Lord said, yeah, I'll spare it. But the vileness of the city caused the Lord to destroy it. Jesus tells us that if Sodom, as vile a city as it was, had repented, it would be existing to today. If they had had those miracles that you have, Capernaum, they would have repented. They would be existing today. Be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment than you, Capernaum. And then he, uh, he goes on. So the Israelites, they, they heard Jesus say that. It would be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. They understood what Jesus was saying. They understood that language. This is letting us know that those who have heard the gospel bear a greater judgment. That's what he's telling us. With the Jewish people, from everyone who has been given, much shall be required in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. When you've heard the gospel and you reject it, you bring greater judgment upon yourself. This is a principle that Jesus is giving his people in rejecting Messiah. Since his people had, had given uh, signs or were given signs and wonders. And they were performed right before them. But they rejected Messiah. There is greater judgment. They had the scriptures before them to tell them who Jesus was. Jesus goes on. He says, nevertheless I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for you. Then at that time, he gives us a reason that they rejected the miracles. Then at that time, Jesus answers and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Jesus in Matthew has been rebuking the cities of Israel for their willful ignorance of the truth of Messiah. And he says, the wise and the intelligent. And those who by mere intellect are blinded from the truth. They choose to be blinded from the truth. Wise and intelligent is not referring to biblical knowledge or, nor even to wisdom and intelligence that is surrendered to God. It is a wisdom and intelligence of a worldly system, pseudo-intelligence, that fails to see spiritual reality. It just refuses it. It's before them, but they refuse to accept it. The context is also found in Luke 10, 16. The one who listens to you, listens to me, Jesus said. 
And the one who rejects you rejects me. And, and he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. In a particular sense, Jesus would later point to the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees as these examples of rejecting him. But in a broader sense, here he's saying the wise and the intelligent. The entire villages and, and cities uh, that are wise enough to figure out everything that had the scripture before them, but they chose to think that they had more wisdom than the Holy Spirit could give them. They think that they have all the answers. They're too good to be guided. They, uh, you know, they think that they have the scriptures figured out and everything within there. And so in turn, they have their way to heaven. They think that they know the way, but, but they are not wise before God. The only way to hear the gospel and receive it is to come, he says, as babes, infants. Infants need to be cared for. They need help. They're helpless to, uh, to fix their own food and to change their own diapers. They don't understand, you know, uh, when they're happy or unhappy. They don't understand all of that. The infant has to trust the mother. Mother, excuse me. That is the way we come to God through Christ. That utter trust as an infant and the kind of is the kind of trust that is needed to be become a child of God and really to remain a child of God you know unfortunately we as Christians think once we become a Christian that we have all the answers and uh, we have all the answers that we uh, we need before us that God seems to want us to gather there's still things that we will never answer this side of heaven and and understand fully but we have the word of God his word but there are many that think that they have it all figured out. And they put God in their little box. And we need to be careful about that. We need to continue to grow and let the Holy Spirit unveil to us different things. But we need to be dependent upon Him. Not upon our own wisdom, but upon the wisdom of God. Upon the Holy Spirit and the leadership of God. God hides them from the wise and, and their own conceit. And reveals them instead to those who simply trust at his word. This is referring to those who rely not on human wisdom. And who do not disregard God in trying to figure out things. So Paul was a brilliant, highly educated scholar. And he did not forsake his intelligence when he became a Christian. But what he did do is... He stopped relying on his intelligence to discern and understand spiritual truth and divine matters. He went to God and depended upon the Holy Spirit to guide him. It is not intelligence but intellectual pride that shuts people out of the kingdom. So this is what he's talking about here. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to continually humble ourselves before the Lord. Coming as babes in Christ. Realizing each and every day that we are dependent upon God. In verse 26, yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. God is well-pleased with the gospel of grace. Why? Because it brings glory to him. Not to mankind, but glory to him. Paul understood that at one time he was dependent upon his own intellect but then when he was saved 
he became that babe growing in the Lord and dependent upon the Lord. He, that intellect, that wisdom began to be used by God, but yet he still needed to depend upon God. Not apart from God, just because he was saved, but dependent upon God to use that in the right way. He is pleased when we come to him for help. Why? Because it honors him and it gives him glory. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise among the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Just go to Acts. They are confounded. They are confused. They are amazed when these fishermen, these people who have not training and education stand up with such wisdom and knowledge. And how did they do this? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. In closing, for everyone who has been given much, much shall be required. We in America have a church, as I said earlier, on every corner it seems like. We have bookstores, we have Bibles, we have uh, everything needed to become a Christian and to grow. We have the Holy Spirit working right before us like no other country. If the Lord warned Israel of her judgment for rejecting the Messiah with all the teaching and miracles that went on, could there be greater judgment on those who reject the Lord who looks back at the cross and sees all this that has happened and already happened but yet still refuses the Lord? Woe to them. This is why we need to pray that hearts will be humbled before the Lord. We need to be concerned over the lost. We need to pray for them and their eyes to be open to understand that it's not them and their power and their uh, wisdom and their knowledge that will get them to heaven. It's not them figuring out some way. It's God and God alone that they must come through. And may they humble themselves before God. Intelligence will not keep you out of heaven, but using human wisdom to try and get you into heaven will. It only comes by God's grace. He enlightens us to the truth. It is our choice to receive it when he enlightens us or reject it. Judgment awaits those who refuse. Last thing, it pleases God for us to come as dependent babes, realizing that our only hope is from the Father through Jesus Christ. You see, trusting in Jesus is the only way into God's kingdom. Trusting the Lord is the only way to please Him. Why? Because we are totally dependent upon Him and His grace. And that honors Him and pleases Him that we come to Him realizing that. Realizing that he is a great and wonderful, awesome God who awaits us. Realizing that he is a great, awesome, wonderful, powerful God who will empower us to continue to live as we depend upon him. Still to the lowly soul, 
he doth himself depart. And for his dwelling and his throne, he chooses the humble heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer.